Welcome to the Sports Equity Podcast. Here we talk to special guests from teams, brands, and agencies to discuss the value that sports brings to business through current trends and best practices with your host, Brett Weisbrot. Our guests spent the last 30 years in and around the sports business from marketing teams and events to working with investors in both the minors and the majors. Today, we welcome Bill Yates to the program. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. How are we doing today? Doing good. Great to reconnect with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you. So for our audience that hasn't had that opportunity to speak with Bill Yates, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Sure. Um, um, I'm Bill Yates, and I'm from, uh, right now I live in Fort Worth, Texas, which is where I've made my home for the last uh, 20 years, 20 plus years. Um, but I've, I've uh, during that time, I've actually been around a little bit. I, I um, started my career in pro sports here in Fort Worth with the professional hockey team back in 1998. Um, and then I left for a little while, went to Corpus Christi, and then I went to uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, and uh, spent a little bit of time in Arizona. And now I'm back the whole time I've kept my home here in Fort Worth, but now I'm back full time living in Fort Worth. And um, and uh, don't plan on leaving anytime soon. Um, I, I did grow up in um, uh, a small town uh, about halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, British Columbia, a city called Marysville, Washington. Um, great place to grow up. Um, and uh, um, lived for a little while in, in Missouri as well. My father was in the was a sports editor for in the newspaper industry. So um, he he. I think being in the newspaper business, you have a tendency to move around a little bit like the, my peers and colleagues in the sports industry have a tendency sometimes to move around a little bit. But um, lucky enough that we pretty much had three different homes uh, over, over the course of my childhood from Missouri to Seattle to back to um, Texas. So that's a little bit about me. Interesting. You know, I usually my second question is normally where did you first grow a passion for the sports industry? But, you know, when you're already a second generation in the industry, at the least that I know, right, second generation, you know, where I guess you know, growing up in a sports editor household, where did you see yourself in the industry? I, I didn't know. I mean, I, 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 I had no direction when I got out of high school, what I wanted to do. Um, uh, I actually went to uh, school in Kansas for one year and played football and realized that I wasn't cut out um, for football and wasn't cut out for living in Kansas. So I um, came back to Dallas, but um, I, I, I guess, you know, being an athlete and playing all sorts of sports when you're a kid, just, um, and, and it's less about the sport, I think, and more just about the brotherhood and the, um, and the development as a human that sports provides you outside of the game. Um, uh, is, is really what has, I guess, built my passion for sport. And um, I think as I um, fiddled around in my early portion of my career, trying to figure out what I was best suited for, um, I, got, I finally got an opportunity um, to take an entry-level position with the hockey team in Fort Worth um, just starting out uh, doing old school sales, you know, the whole smile and dial thing, um, making cold calls and going out and trying to sell tickets and sponsorship and pretty much anything that I could possibly sell. And um, 
learned a lot you know, over the eight, over the eight years that I was in Fort Worth. Um, um, kind of took on more and more responsibility, tried new and different things, and um, learned an awful lot about this industry and and the things I love and some of the things that I don't love so much and um, uh, the things that I was good at, taking advantage of the things that I was good at and trying to uh, build or develop some of the things that I struggled with. And um, I think, um, you know, that led me to, uh, to other opportunities in other cities and other sports. So um, that's, I, I guess, I mean, that's kind of a long way your question about how did you get into, into the sports business? But right. I, I, I guess, uh, you know, and, and then also with my father being um, the, uh, the sports editor and newspaper editor, you know, I got plenty of I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it experience or insight. I would just call it, um, I, I got to see some of the inside workings of that business and, um, um, you know, hung around plenty of locker rooms and press boxes over the years as a kid from the high schools to major league sports and everywhere in between. Um, so got a little bit of that through my father, but most of it, I think, was just on the job training when I was in Fort Worth. That's where I kind of really cut my teeth, so to speak. And you're know, talking about your time in Fort Worth, and this isn't to date you by any means, but I, you know, technology is more important now than ever. Back then, I know yellow pages were important, right? Making calls. How did you, how do you manage your contacts without maybe like a, a CRM program or, or some of the tools we have now? Well, yeah, yeah. In, in, in 1998, I mean, we were, um, it was the early stages of the internet and social media was not a thing. YouTube didn't exist. Google didn't exist. So, um, you know, we, we, our advertising strategy did include the phone book and it included um, um, a newspaper, included outdoor and radio and television. All of those media um, formats are um, less important now, I guess. Although I do think that uh, there is still some value to those methods of advertising, but uh, you know, uh, digital wasn't a thing back then. Um, and then in terms of uh, CRM or um, just controlling or managing or, or uh, being efficient with your schedule. Um, you know, we had old school call sheets and call notes and, and things like that. We did have an early CRM that we used. It was called Telemagic. I don't even know who made Telemagic, but, but we did start using that right around 2000 and it helped tremendously. And then uh, I, I personally started using ACT um, um, for quite a while. And, um, you know, I know, I know teams are being much more advanced now and CRMs have gone far and far and away beyond what I could ever imagine. But um, in, in those early days, yes, it, it, it's tough sometimes to think about dating yourself and getting back to that. But, you know, we did fill out call sheets and we filled out um, uh, call notes and we kept a notebook full of files and we, um, we managed. And I know both, you know, on the team side and even before the team side, you know, I know you're heavy integrated into the marketing space. What attracted you to the marketing side of doing business? Well, I, I it's, you know, I, I say I started my sports career with, with minor pro hockey, but reality is that I started out in youth sports uh, with the YMCA of Metropolitan Dallas. Um, uh, just a, a youth sports director, just um, coordinating and organizing youth leagues and managing coaches and 
and team parents and practice schedules and field schedules and things like that. Um, that's where I started. And I, 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 I left that because I, I, didn't, I didn't love it. I had some difficulties with dealing with, um, um, I don't know, the, the bureaucracy of, of youth sports was difficult for me to, I, I'm, I'm more of a, a self starter and a doer. Um, and sometimes we had to go through um, chains of commands and things like that. And I'm more of an entrepreneurial spirit. So I like to just go and do. And, um, and then on top of that, you know, I think some parents, um, which is true probably all over the world, unfortunately, some parents lose their minds a little bit as it relates to youth sports. But um, um, so I left that and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get into the corporate world. I, I went into corporate world for a couple of years. Um, and then got into sports. But when I was, um, and one of my jobs in corporate was with a, with a company called Terrific Ticket Inc., which was based in Houston. But I was, um, I was running there. Actually, I was kind of opening um, markets for them. Um, my primary job was in Denver, Colorado. I was, um, uh, I was helping establish their business there. They were promoting and selling events for, um, pro sports, colleges, and um, and concerts, and I had to develop some strategic partnerships with um, bars and restaurants and and entertainment venues from you know the old McNichols Arena in Denver to Red Rocks and and all the way down to the you know the mom and pop the corner bar in town and everywhere in between. So um, I loved that. I, I loved. Um, being able to um, create business for our company. And I love being able to create and develop business for our clients. And that I had so much fun doing. Um, and, and so um, I worked that job for a little over a year um, and then eventually had an opportunity come up with the with the hockey team in Fort Worth and, and decided I'd give it, give it a shot to, to, to go sell some, some sponsorships and it worked out. Okay. Making that transition. And what was one of your favorite memories, you know, in the event space, you know, around maybe an activation or, or a win at the time? <clears throat> well, um, gosh, thinking back, I mean, we, if, if we're, if we're again, we're going back to the, uh, uh, to the nineties when, uh, when marketing was a little bit different, but, uh, uh, looking back, I think just the overall experience, I mean, we opened a store in Denver, um, we established ourselves as a pretty strong, um, uh, company in Denver in the mid nineties. And, um, uh, I think it was just, uh, the reward was just seeing something built from almost scratch, um, um, you know, from building out an office to hiring staff to um, to developing strategies and and um, and then developing relationships be, with with our clients. I think that I think just the overall experience. It's hard to pinpoint any specific project that we may have worked on, but just the overall experience was really um, educational. And if, you, and if you went back to this time of your life, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, oh man, I, you know, I, 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 not necessarily, I think, I mean, I, I try not to dwell on mistakes. Um, 
I, I actually have learned to appreciate some of the mistakes I've made um, as learning opportunities. Um, I, I don't think that um, really there was anything I would do differently so much, um, except that I probably would have paid more attention to um, just the business. Um, uh, we're talking about finance and accounting and, and legal and taxes and everything else like that as it relates to just operating the business as opposed to just the sales and marketing. Um, I did end up learning that later, but I think if I would have um, pay, at least paid more attention to it early on, um, I, I, I probably would have um, would have grown that portion of my business knowledge and acumen a little bit earlier and faster. Otherwise, I mean, really, I, I, I don't have any regrets and I, I don't think that I would do anything differently. That's great. So I know you mentioned right after this role is when you really, you know, cut your teeth into the team side of things, right? And spent the next 13 years uh, really leading minor league hockey organizations for the most part in Texas, Mississippi, Arizona. You know, how did that stretch set you up for your long-term career success? Um, well, I, I mean, when I was in Fort Worth, um, uh, really just, like I said, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was cold, 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 um, cold calling and developing my own business, basically developing my own book of business. Um, we, uh, this Dallas Fort Worth, it's a pretty cutthroat market. It's got all the big boys in it, but even once you get past the Dallas Mavericks and Stars and Cowboys and Rangers, even past beyond that, you look at just everything else that's going on here um, from an entertainment standpoint, and it's highly competitive. There are a lot of companies looking for advertising or selling advertising. There are a lot of companies that are selling events, you know, and, and so it was pretty competitive. And we had to, we had to really perform at a high level if we wanted to um, compete like we did at that time. And I, 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 to this day, give a lot of credit to our general manager, who's a guy named Mike Barrick, who um, um, was and is kind of a, a hard charging, um, incredibly smart guy. Um, we, he and I are kind of like oil and water. We have very different personalities, but, um, but I think he um, taught me so much about um, uh, just the sales process, um, um, uh, prospecting for new accounts, um, uh, finding different areas uh, uh, to, to different budgets to um, to approach as it relates to getting money, um, coming up with some very creative promotions and and, and things like that. Um, and and you know he gave me some of some some room to spread my wings and and but at the same time. Um, kept us all very, very focused on, on generating revenue and doing it efficiently. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's where I think uh, we, we were able to be successful and where I was able to learn. And, and over time, you know, uh, taking on some more and more management responsibilities and, and overseeing some additional departments and, and, um, and things like that, I think and that's the other great thing I love about minor league sports is that you get to experience the entire business. I mean, you don't, um, even if you aren't focused on merchandise or, or public relations or any, you know, if there are, even if there are departments in your business that you are not responsible for, you still get full exposure or at least almost full exposure to, 
um, to those departments, which allows you to, to do a couple of things. Number one, just learn other aspects of the business. But number two, um, understand how to take advantage, uh, maybe not take advantage of, but utilize, properly utilize um, those other aspects of your, of your company, whether again, it's merchandise or public relations or community relations. Um, you're gonna know enough. The thing I like about minor leagues is that you're gonna know enough about how those operate that you can, um, you can leverage what they're already doing um, to make your sponsorships and, and ticket packages even more attractive to the buyer. And, um, you know, what are some disciplines? And, you know, I know you mentioned earlier some of the disciplines you had from growing up and playing that you brought to your work ethic, but what would you say are some disciplines you learned during that time period in the minors that um, that you're able to use in, in your day-to-day -day now? Um, I, I, I believe firmly, and I, could, I continually preach the importance of the details. Um, uh, you can make major changes in your company that will not be... Um, that, that, might, that might make a huge difference in the way that you operate. Um, but I do think that it is the small details that add up to, um, to make the biggest difference. Um, and quite often there are things that you don't even notice and, and that you don't even realize are happening. But, um, but you know, there are things that, I, I learned that there are things that you can do to help set yourself apart. And again, going back to being in a, in a, in a cut, throat market like Dallas-Fort Worth, um, there were things that we could do to make to set us apart from, um, from the Dallas Stars or the Texas Rangers or some of those big boys or, or TCU or SMU football. Um, you know, there were some things that we could do that they couldn't do that, that um, could set us apart. So those were typically the small details, the tiniest details um, in some cases. And if we could, if we could take full advantage of those and make sure that that everything that we do is first class and, and a number one, um, um, then I knew that we could have a fighting chance at, at at setting ourselves apart, and it worked. And we, I've kind of taken that that ideology, I guess, onto other areas and, and other endeavors that we've undertaken. Um, uh, I, I think that. Being able to, uh, I, I was meeting with the team recently, and and I decided that our theme this year is going to be extra. What can it's that one word, extra? What can we do that's extra? How do we how do we set ourselves apart from everybody else? And and how do we not not just how do we set ourselves apart, but how do we how do we allow our sponsors and our season ticket holders to feel like or to realize and to understand that um, that they're getting extra, they're getting more than than what they anticipated. Um, and over delivering and it's not always big things it's it's small things like sending thank you notes and, and small things like um, um, like standing at the exits on the way out saying good night and drive safely and thanks for coming and see you next time you know it's these small things that not enough teams are doing um, um, that that make a huge difference you know when the when the VP of a company sends you a thank you card and says thanks for letting me meet with you or or congratulations on um, you know, whatever your appointment to the Boys and Girls Club Board of Directors or whatever it is that they may see to the, see about the person, um, it's meaningful. And same thing when the, the president of the company is standing at the exit saying, good night, thanks for coming. Um, it means something that, uh, 
that they would see that person doing that. So um, I think th those are just examples. I'm sure there are thousands of other things we could do, but um, but those small things are, are easy to do and they're free really to do. They don't um, they don't cost you any money. So you can you can do as much of them as you want. And and uh, um, uh, you know those so those are the, the I guess that's what I've learned over the years is that. You've, you've got to be good at all of the blocking and tackling. You've got to do all of the things that, that are important to get your business done. If you're in sales, you know, you've got to create great proposals. You've got to, um, you've got to match your inventory to, um, to the buyer's needs and meet their objectives. But, um, but if you want to be better than your competition, you've got to just go do these small little things, do the extra. And before we get to the current, because I know we want to talk about that, what, who would you say had the biggest impact on your career when you were on the team side here for that many years? Um, I'll get back to Barrick, Mike Barrick. Um, um, uh, really, a, a, truly um, a, a genius as it relates to minor pro sports marketing. Um, again, a brash guy, uh, sometimes a, a personality that's sometimes difficult to deal with. Um, but at the end of the day, when, 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 uh, you know, after the, when, after the bell rings, um, he's the guy you want on your team for sure. But he's, he taught me so much. Um, so I would say he's probably number one. Um, I worked with a couple of other guys that were really good. I, I got a, 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 a hockey coach in Mississippi named Stefan Walby, who had a, a unique work ethic, um, who spoke, um, spoke a lot about commitment to excellence and things like that. Um, and, and I think he, he um, expected his players to be um, to be model citizens first and to be high level performers second, which um, is, is sometimes difficult to find in pro sports. But uh, Stefan was was a great guy and a great friend. And, and you know, there are several others, too. That's great. So now for the last decade, you've been building the sports advisory group. Can you tell us or tell our listeners you know, about the company and you know, kind of the main scope you deal with from an acquisition standpoint? Yeah, I'm sports advisory group. Uh, you know, it's um, the company uh, started way back in 1959 uh, as a company called WB Grimes and Associates. Um, uh, Mr. Grimes is the father of our current chairman, Larry Grimes. And um, they started out as a media mergers company doing uh, television, radio, billboard companies, uh, newspaper, magazine companies. Um, and over that time, they became one of the biggest companies in that industry uh, based in New York City. Um, uh, when Larry took over the company, he moved it to Maryland, where he now lives and where we're currently based. Um, and um, still has that division. Um, uh, but I think it was in around 2006 or something like that, um, Larry started to get involved and see more and more sports opportunities with pro sports teams and, and realized that there really wasn't anybody else doing what they were doing on the media side in the sports industry. So we built, um, or, he, or he did, um, built a small little, um, I guess a strategy to go out and work with these teams and, and help owners with ownership transfers and things like that. Um, and, uh, and then I joined the company in 2012 and have been working with Larry ever since. And 
in 2018, I think, two or three years ago, um, one of my other partners, Tommy George, actually bought the company from Larry um, and is now the president of the company, um, uh, while Larry is now the chairman. And I like to say he's semi-retired, although I, I don't know that he, he just likes to work too much. So <laughs> I don't think that he's ever, ever truly retired. So Larry's still heavily involved in the business, and, uh, but, uh, but Tommy's overseeing the the operation and and I kind of oversee um, uh, we're a small company so I think all of us oversee a lot but um, you know I kind of uh, focus more so on the western uh, portion of the of the country although I do have plenty of work to do in in, um, in North Carolina and some of the other western states with some clients that I have there so um, <clears throat> that's a little bit of history about sports advisory group that's great. And with your background on the team side, right, with team structure, how does that help you working with potential investors and, and even clients to help place them? I think that I, I, I think that we can see very quickly. Um, we can sum up an operation. Um, we can see areas um, of concern. You know, problem spots with the business. Um, we can see. Um, areas that they do very, very well with. Some teams do very well with. We can see some things that may be able to be fixed. We can see, uh, we can we can identify some of the things that may not be able to fix. I think every every business and every industry across the world probably has a couple of things that they wish would would change, but that they can't change for whatever reason. We can identify those things. We can look at red flags. You know, um, areas where they might be spending too much money. Um, or on the other side, underperforming as it relates to sales. But we get a, we, I feel like we've got a pretty good understanding and we see so many team operating budgets and so many team arena leases or stadium leases and, and naming rights deals and broadcast agreements and, and, um, and other aspects of business operations for minor league sports teams. We see so much of that that I think we can get a pretty good understanding of what's good and what's bad. Um, and, you know, with a little bit of digging around, we can, um, confirm or, or, uh, solidify whatever our opinions may be, um, as it relates to that. But, um, I think my, as it relates, uh, in terms of my past experiences in team operations, um, um, I think the way that that helps the most is with regard to, um, um, representing buyers so that they can, so we get so many buyers of sports teams who may be brilliant business people and have significant experience in a completely different industry, but they have never seen a stadium lease and they don't know what the light bill should be for a baseball stadium. And they don't know what a concessions contract should look like or what, a, what uh, you know, how their suites are being sold or any number of other things um, um, that, that, that they've never seen before. So they don't know exactly what, what is standard, exactly what they should be expecting, what they should be looking for on all of those areas. And I feel like we do. I think I feel like my experience in sports operations and team operations has, has given us a good understanding. And then combining that with the fact that we see dozens of these situations every year and are actively working um, with teams across the country, um, we, we and not only that, but we've, we've just got so many good connections and resources that we can, that we can ask questions of. I know I've got 
probably 20 people in baseball and 20 other people in hockey, at least, that I could pick up the phone and ask their opinion about um, about certain situations and and um, and get a uh, source quite a few different opinions and thoughts on areas that we might be um, a little bit less familiar with. So that's probably what's uh, what's made us valuable for a lot of these buyers. And how, you know, how have your relationships from your earlier years in doing business helped you in, in developing and growing this venture? Um, I, well, you know, I, I always tell uh, people, when I talk to people who aren't in the sports industry, a lot of times they'll say, man, your job sounds cool. And I think it is, but at the end of the day, it's really just a sales job. Um, I think the only difference between um, my job and some others is that at the end of the day, we, you know, we can watch our product on ESPN or whatever, you know, or we can spend our weekends going to, to games. But the reality is that um, from, uh, you know, from the time we go into work every morning until pretty much doesn't stop anymore. But, you know, we, we, we're, we're constantly looking for new clients, new customers, new people who have an interest in investing in pro sports or entertainment. We also are fiddling a little bit with, uh, with some movies. We've been able to do some Hollywood pictures here in the last couple of years, but, um, but most of what we do is, is sports. Um, so I, I, th I, think, I think what, what the earlier portions of my career have taught me is that you've got to figure out and learn about the investor, find out what their objectives are, um, if I were selling a sponsorship, you know, I might be asking about their marketing strategies and, and, and consumer engagement and, and, and social media and things like that. Whereas with a, with a team owner, it, it might be more asking about, um, you know, their interest as it relates to location or league or sport or whether they want a controlling interest, whether they want 100%, whether they want a minority share so they can learn the industry a little bit. Um, um, you know, we, we try to figure out what it is that, that they want and then we help them find the right opportunity um, that, that, would, that would most cl closely match their objectives, which may not always be, uh, you know, we, we don't 100% of the time find them a deal um, um, simply because we can't meet their objectives. But, but usually, you know, we can, we can find what they're looking for. And I know you and I have had a conversation about this before, but, you know, with some of the teams you help being local and engaged is really important, right? In, in bringing on an investor, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And maybe a good example where, um, you know, someone bought into something in their community that they can literally touch and be a part of on a weekly basis. I think it's, I, I, well, yeah, I think it, it's probably less important today than it was, even five years ago or 10 years ago, um, being a part of the community, um, you know, technology has made it so much easier for us to, to act remotely. Um, um, and, and maybe a good example of that is, uh, there's a baseball team in Cleburne, Texas called the Cleburne Railroaders as part of the American Association. And I know that one of the partners there um, is based in Los Angeles. However, um, he's got daily calls, daily Zoom calls and and just audio calls with his, um, with the team there, um, just to download and strategize and, um, 
and and you know develop uh, to do lists and uh, talk about struggles and talk about successes and and uh, just generally be a manager. But I think really what it comes down to at the end of the day is um, having an opportunity to keep your staff accountable and focused and and just letting them know that you're there to support them and that you are there to provide um, every bit of support that you possibly can provide. Um, I think that's probably just as important as it would be to be there in the office on a daily or even weekly basis. Um, it's more so um, keeping keeping engaged with the people who are living it on a on a daily basis. And you mentioned um, you know a few minutes ago about you know the motion picture side of the business, um, and you've diversified right with investments and executive directors getting involved in that space. You know, how has that been and how has that maybe been talking to some of the same people that invest in teams, you know, have the ability to invest in that, you know, whether it's sports related content or not? Well, um, I, I, I should say that that our primary focus is still sports. I mean, that's where where we're focused on being. But uh, we've learned and we've I think we had some conversations with some of our sports owners. Uh, a few years ago about their interest in being involved in movies and things like that. And we realized that the demographic for movie producers and for sports team owners is pretty similar. We're talking about people who, who have the money to invest in something that is going to maybe feed their passion a little bit more than, than the stock market might, or, you know, a, 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 a retirement fund might. So rather than, um, um, investing money in something that you cannot really appreciate and enjoy. I think sports ownership and film production are probably very similar. Um, so we, we've worked with a company called Oakhurst Entertainment, which um, has um, produced a few films so far. Um, most recently, Black Bear with Aubrey Plaza. They've got a film coming out later this month, I think, with um, um, Glenn Close and Mila Kunis called Four Good Days. Um, uh, Marina Grasic and Jay Kana are, are leading that company. Marina's an, uh, an Oscar winner. Uh, I think Crash in 2001, she won an Oscar. Uh, Jay represents some of the biggest names in Hollywood um, through Brillstein Entertainment Partners. And if you don't know Brillstein, um, you know, they produce Saturday Night Live and some of the biggest uh, movies that... Uh, that have been made. So Brillstein um, is a great partner, and we, you know, we we've, we've been able to put in some investors into some of these. Uh, I call them investors, but producers, really executive producers, with some of these films that they've been doing. They've got a slate of nine others that they're um, that we're funding right now, um, and uh, you know, these are big. These are big movies. We're talking DiCaprio and Jason Sudeikis and. Uh, Queen Latifah and some others that are that are part of this that that we would be putting in in um, into this group as well. Um, so movies and film, I think, is 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 a very been an in interesting play for us. And with with some of the transitions that that's going through right now with streaming and really additional um, revenue streams um, for the film industry beyond just theaters, um, it's it's just helping that industry grow quite a bit. 
Um, and and so, yeah, we've 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 just in the last four or five years been able to to get a little bit more involved in that. That's great. And then the last thing I would ask you today is, you know, if you were to give those starting or growing in the sports industry any advice, what would that be? Um, I, I would say, you know, if you're starting in this industry, you need to identify a few things. Identify what you do well and identify what you get and what you get pleasure doing. And um, whether that's sales or accounting or operations or or marketing or any number of other um, uh, aspects of the business, I, I would say that you need to you need to be looking for that early in your career so that you can develop and 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 focus on a path. And I don't think any, I don't think anybody in any industry could really come up with a path um, that, that, that's gonna that's gonna fully come to fruition. However, um, I think in, in the sports industry, you can, you can probably sort of come up with your path if you can identify these things that you can do well and that you can, um, that, that you can do with ease and that, you can, that can make you happy doing them. I think those are the two things. But then I also say, you know, figure out how you can uh, do one of two things or even both. You either need to be able to uh, generate revenue, you either make money for your company, or you need to save money for your company. Um, and hopefully you can do both. So if you can generate revenue, um, uh, whether whether that's directly or indirectly, uh, and directly would be actually selling tickets, actually selling sponsorship, actually going out and meeting people and having them sign a contract or write a check um, to give your company money, or indirectly, more indirectly, as it relates to marketing and community relations and things like that, those you understand, although I'm sure the people who are succeeding in those jobs understand that that's generating revenue, um, maybe less directly than, than actual sales reps, but nevertheless generating revenue. And then saving money. This might be an accountant, it might be an attorney, it might be um, um, operations staff, um, understanding that you need to act um, um, efficiently I think there's a big difference between being cheap and being efficient. Um, I, I always warn owners not to be cheap, um, but to be very responsible and efficient. Um, uh, spend money where you need to, and and don't don't uh, sit on your wallet simply because you don't want to spend it. Because I think a lot of times we spend money on things that we um, we only spend money on things that we want to spend it on, and uh, that's not always the best best way to do it. So. I'm making this story longer than it should be. I, I would say keep them um, focused on how you can generate revenue or save money for your business. And if there's a way that you can figure out how to do both of those things, then go for it and do both of those things. And those are the things that will make you stand out early in your career um, to the people who can make a difference in your career. And I guess if I were to add one more thing, um, I would say network. I think I didn't do a good enough job early in my career of getting to know others, getting to know my peers with other teams, getting to know our vendors, getting to know um, just people in the industry. Um, didn't do enough of that. And I wish I had early in my career. And I try to, I try to do as much of that as I possibly can, uh, you know, at the baseball winter meetings or at um, the hockey all-star game or Super Bowl or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to meet and connect with people who are in the industry and, um, 
and can give me advice, you know, or on the other hand, uh, people that I can help. Um, you know, if I can, if I can, if I can make their life better, I'll try to do that. Um, and at the same time, uh, I think when it comes time for me to ask for advice or help, uh, typically they will, they will do the same for us. Right. And I think over the last 12 months with the virtual environment, having something like LinkedIn, which we both didn't have when we first started our business careers, right now, there's no excuse from a networking standpoint. It's just about matter of doing oh, I, I can't tell you enough, Brent, how, or, uh, Brent, how valuable LinkedIn could be for a job seeker. Um, but, but not just connecting with people, but just asking them to give you 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes on the phone or on a, on a, on a Zoom or a Skype call, just so that I can learn more about what you've done to be so successful. I mean, I could, I could go on and on with how, I mean, I still use LinkedIn to sell professional sports teams and, and, um, and, and I try to respond to as many LinkedIn connection requests as I can. Um, it's hard sometimes, but you know, um, I, I try to do as much of that as I can when people want to talk or chat about the sports industry and about how they can build their careers in this industry. Um, you know, a lot of times I wish that I had some of that advice when I was starting out. So whenever I can make it work, I try to, I try to make sure and um, share tips or hints with anybody who, who will ask for them. That's great. Well, I appreciate you uh, contributing to the program today and look forward to chatting with you soon. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Sports Equity Podcast, where we discuss the value that sports brings to business. Follow us for new episodes on a weekly basis. See you next time.